0: Hi, everyone. It's Hannah again, Sue and Steph's producer. We're taking a small break again this week and are here with a re-release of one of my favorite episodes of your teen, When Your Kid Hates You, originally aired in May 2021. Dr. Susan Schnepps joined Sue and Steph to talk about how to work through sometimes brutal moments with teenagers, especially when they're mad at you. We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. See you then. Welcome to Your Team with Sue and Steph. I'm Sue. And I'm Steph. And we are the co-founders and owners of Your Teen Media, the resource for parenting tweens and teens. Today, we're talking with Dr.
1: Suzanne Schnapps about what to do when your kid hates you, air quote. We're so excited to talk with her. Before we do that, we wanted to share one of the glowing reviews our podcast has received. We really appreciate listeners taking the time to give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. We were so thrilled with Adrian's review that we couldn't keep this one to ourselves. Steph, can you play the part of Adrian?
0: Of course. Okay, here we go. This is from Adrian. I have tried a few teen podcasts over the last few years, parentheses, my daughter is now 15, and yours is the only one in my subscription list at the moment. It's so helpful and inspiring and leaves me feeling empowered and confident with the language I use and concepts I try to instill. I appreciate all your hard work. Thanks a million, Adrian. Oh my God, it's so nice. So nice. And thank you, Adrian. We're going to keep reading reviews
1: at the top of the show. So if you want to be famous like Adrian, leave us your review too. Okay, we're going to move into When Our Kids Hate Us. We're going to talk about our own experiences because, you know, You can't raise kids without having that feeling that there's a few too many eye rolls or even maybe a mumbled, I hate you, or worse yet, there have been some, like, really loud FUs in my house. So I have a lot of stories, Steph. How about you?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, why don't you start us off, and I'll, I'll go from there. <laughs> I want Stephanie wants to see how far I'm willing to go. <laughs> well, I, I, I also think you have more girls than I only have one. You've probably had it in spades, but I, I feel it more from the girl than the boys. Mm, um, that would not be the case in my house. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's um, a whole other topic. Okay.
1: Well, there is there is gendered stuff going on. Like, one of my kids, who is a boy— Is really much harder on Dan than anyone else. I rarely get like complete disgust, but Dan gets lots and lots of disgust from this one kid. There's one boy who doesn't follow the rules, and the girls, you know, they had their share, they all had their share of like really being horrible. I would say that we did have like a hole in the wall from like a
0: kick. So. (laughs) Wait, (laughs) who who was said person hoping to kick, or were they hoping to kick the wall? Because we have a hole in a wall, but it's because one kid threw another kid through a wall. Oh, no, we didn't have that. Uh, Well, let me just
1: rephrase this. We don't have that that I know of.
0: Yeah, right, please. We did
1: learn. We learned that there was one child babysitting another child, which probably not the best idea, but we didn't know that. And um, that kid was told to sit in the closet because they weren't behaving well. (laughs) <laughs> so you know a little worrisome, really worrisome, but once we learned that we did not have that pair stay home together again because <laughs> it exactly. seemed like it could only go worse than better uh, uh, right yeah but but the the um the eye rolls and the Ugh. I don't know which I hated more like the I hate you or the total disgust with me like you know really <laughs>
0: do you have to pick? <laughs> I mean, it can be and, right? You don't, we're not going to be like, you got to pick one. Like you can be equally put, they're, they're both bad, right? They're awful.
1: Yeah. So I would say that the, the stories that were really hard for me was when I knew I was walking into it, but it had to be done. Like I knew that I was going to tell my kid with a license that when she left another kid somewhere because she was mad at them and drove home without them, that she was going to go back and pick that kid up. But I also knew there was going to be a lot of, I hate you in the middle, whether it was verbally or eye rolls or whatever else, just walking away and dismissive. So those moments for me were like, okay, well, I'm about to put myself into a boxing ring where I have no gloves and no protective gear, and I'm going to get punched and punched and punched. And yet I still have to go in because what you did was wrong. And you're going back and writing
0: this. Wait, and wait, let me add one more thing, and you're bleeding in the ring, and no one's there to witness it. No, nobody cares. no, there's a witness, but they don't
1: care. Oh, I mean, that wasn't always the case in my house. I mean there there was often a parent who was like, "Oh, don't be so hard. mm. <laughs> don't be so hard on her. It was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) So I I had witnesses all, there were a lot of people in my house. So there was often a witness, but nobody coming to bandage the
0: wounds, (laughs) the injuries. Yeah. That was my point. (laughs) No, but there were witnesses. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I think mine are, mine are so related to tone and like, um, like so put out by what I ask, right? Like we're like, and I'm thinking- is that so hard? Like, is that, am I am I a total ogre? I can't help but go to this place in my head where I'm like, you know my whole life is revolved around you, right? I'm asking you for this much. You know that I, I turn myself into a pretzel to make things easier? So just, I get so put out and I don't know if it hits on that nerve of thinking about like growing up. I'm like, nobody was like turning them, like we kind of raised ourselves. Like, and I feel like my kids, I'm like, okay, I do things to make it easier. I feel like I'm like the sous chef or the sous mom, S-O-U. Yeah, I was thinking, why
1: can't you just be the Stephanie chef?
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Like behind the scenes, orchestrating things and trying to make it easier. I'm like, okay, so if I'm asking you to do something, like, are you really that put out by it? Is my ask so big? Well, let me just answer that for you. yes. <laughs> why? No, why? Why is it so does it just feel so like I was trying I was actually thinking about this earlier today. I was thinking, is it impossible to see the light like when you're in your parents' home? Is it just impossible to see them as people? Probably hard.
1: Eventually changes.
0: But I, I will say, like to channel
1: Suzanne Schneffs, for example, the tone is not what you're going for. I
0: know. The
1: action is what you're going for, which is kind of antithetical to I think how I thought parenting was gonna be. I I thought Like, if you don't want to do it, at least say it nicely to me. But that's not really true. What's really true is I want you to do that. And if you are going to do it... Amy Spidell told me this in the story I've revealed to everybody about wrestling my daughter to the ground for the keys, literally. She said to me, your daughter is going to swear at you because you have taken everything away from her and she needs to have some sense of I have power over my own life. And Mm -hmm. literally... She wrote the story of what was going to happen <laughs> afterwards, which is like she's going to come and say she has to have the car. The car was taken away, and she has to do it for school. And either you can do it, or I mean, either you can give me the keys, or you're going to have to do it for me. That kind of and and like with a tone and with like I hate you because she did, and she she said you know it's not going to go well. Like that kid is going <laughs> to be like I hate you so much you are ruining my life. And then if you know she suggested that I say that sounds good. Here are the keys. Go get what you need. And then give me the keys when you come back. Very like neutral. And she said, but when she gets back, she's probably going to throw those keys to the floor (laughs) and walk away and under her breath, say, F you. I don't know how she knew that script so perfectly, but it it played out. Yeah, because you're the
0: only one it's ever happened to.
1: It played out so exactly that, that I was armed to just ignore it. I literally let it go. And because she told me what it meant to my kid to be losing all of the power in this story at a time where all you're doing is clinging for power. And I had a little bit of sympathy at that point. And I yeah. was like, I understand where that's coming from. And I can let her just do that and walk away. And so I think like by the time my more recent kids hit those stages, I had enough experience to be able to like not hear the the
0: tone. Well, and I think it's so interesting. I What you're touching on is something that I think about a lot when I can prepare for it by talking to the therapist, by ta- right having like the, this is how it's going to go. Here's the plan. Like I have like a quote, at least enough of a plan, maybe an outline that they've, it gives me the confidence I wouldn't have had to, like you said, ignore it, to expect this is how it's going to go down. And it's like it's like the check, check, like what we used to say, like, okay, they're going to get it left out of the lunch table, check. They're going to, right, have a new friend group, check. And so for me, it gives me that confidence to do something where I'd be questioning myself, laying in bed at night, thinking, oh, my God, oh, my God, is this right? Is this wrong? Am I screwing them up? Am I not screwing them up? I do it right, and that whole thing. But I feel like the professionals give me the the confidence and the script <laughs> to like follow. And that's helpful for me.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's nobody better than Suzanne Schneps for that. I, you know, this, this interview with her was like, I just can't believe the number of times that I felt like that is so valuable to know that it's so helpful to know that. Any other like examples that pop into your mind of like the moment where you were like, I need to tell somebody how awful this is and I don't know who I can tell. Actually, Suzanne said, and I don't know if it was this interview or another one with her, everybody needs that girlfriend, that friend that you can that you can call up and say, like, this kid is being so horrible and just to not have to work it through. Because, like, imagine going to your kid and saying, we need to talk about how you talk to me and how you don't respect me. And And maybe there's a place for that, but, man... I have not found that to be the case in my house. I have found that time is the gift you get.
0: (laughs) It's so true. It's so true. Because it's just, it. at any point in time, like it's changing so rapidly. And and I agree with you. If I didn't have those girlfriends where I could get into their car or get on the call with them and say like, oh my God, he's such a jerk. He's such an ass. He," You know, she's such, right? Like, oh my God. I don't know what I would do.
1: If you're somebody who's listening to this and saying to yourself, like, I, you know, I I don't think I have that girlfriend, you know, if you can access resources, I mean, I think, you know, (laughs) I tell my therapist, she's my best friend in the whole world. She spends a full 50 minutes just wanting to hear about me. There's no other relationship I have like that. Like, so if you have the ability to access that, that is also another way to not take it out on your kid or to even find out whether... You know, this is a normal kind of response because sometimes our kids are out of control and they do Mm -hmm. need intervention. And if you're afraid of your kid, like afraid physically or afraid emotionally, like you need intervention. So a lot of what we're talking about is that the painful growth of going from what felt like more of a loving um, (laughs) and maybe more control for us as parents to to manage the situation as they get older. That just feels like it slips away so fast. Up next is our amazing conversation with Dr. Suzanne Schnepps. And let me just say our amazing conversation with the amazing
0: Dr. Suzanne Schnepps. (laughs) We can't wait for you to join us. i have talked about the cost of college a lot over the years, having sent eight kids collectively to college. With each kid, the cost got higher and
1: higher. Dan and I started to look at the cost benefit analysis. What's the value of the degree and how can we make it more affordable? We became more discerning as college consumers. We wanted a way to figure out whether it was worth it and to make more informed decisions.
0: And now there is a brand new tool. It's called the Student Debt Smarter Affordability Calculator. The calculator, available at StudentDebtSmarter.org slash YTM, uses four criteria. A school your student might want to attend, one possible major, the year they want to start, and where they might want to live after graduation. The calculator then projects a starting salary and budget to give you and your student a realistic view of the amount that can reasonably be repaid once they graduate. You can explore different options by swapping out other possible majors, colleges, and locations. Your student will get great insight into how each of these factors impacts affordability. Also, the calculator is a tool to start a conversation with your kid.
1: Just take a look at your kid's face when they start to understand the complex financial
0: landscape of paying for college. Student loans might seem like a great solution for affording college, but we've got to help our kids really understand how these loans can impact their future. You'll wanna bring up ways to make college more affordable with resources like scholarships and grants. Keep in mind, our kids can make bad decisions when they don't understand the impact of college debt.
1: The Student Debt Smarter Affordability Calculator is designed to demystify this process, adding transparency and easy to understand resources to better inform young students as they take on important decisions that will impact their financial
0: future. To so start your college journey together on the right foot, visit studentdebtsmarter.org slash YTM and start the conversation today. That's org slash YTM.
1: Our guest today is one of our favorites, Dr. Suzanne Schnepp's. She has over 30 years of experience in the field of psychology, including over 30 years of private practice work with families, children, teens, and adults. She has worked in community mental health centers, residential treatment programs, and in the realms of divorce mediation and adoption, just to name a few. And she is amazing. Good morning, Suzanne Schneps.
2: And good morning, Sue. It's good to be here with you again.
1: Oh, God, it's like, it is my favorite thing to talk to you because you really clear things up for parents of teenagers. And you have said that you have a magic wand for teenagers, but I actually just think you're the teen whisperer. Like, you just know how to talk to them and how to help parents talk to them as well. So here is a topic that comes up all the time for us. It's so big that we could talk about this forever. Our teenagers and our early adolescent. Kids in middle school make us feel like they hate
2: us. And it's a terrible, terrible feeling. It is the world's worst feeling because here you are doing absolutely all the things you can do to make them be happy. You're worried about them and you think about them and you know that it really doesn't matter you know, how they, you know, get to go to some party that they didn't get invited to and you're upset about it and they tell you they hate you. Here's the thing we got to remember. It's what they're supposed to do. Secondly, if they can tell you they hate you, it really means they love you. Okay, I got to stop you with that one. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. That
1: is not at all satisfying. <laughs> if, they, if they're if they mean to you, it's because they love you. What is
2: that? <laughs> Okay, so the, the kid that, that doesn't feel secure in the relationship, okay, and is worried about it, is always gonna look a little bit more perfect than the kid that feels secure in their relationship. It does no, it feels terrible. But it's here's the thing. It's really not about Chusu. Sue. It's about the fact that they didn't <laughs> get invited to the party. And they can't call up or put out on a, you know, on Instagram that they weren't invited and they feel terrible and they're upset and so and so dissed them, etc, etc, etc. Instead, they can pick a fight with you. Because if they pick a fight with their parents It gets rid of the feelings. Now their parents mad at them. Now they can worry and talk about the fact their parents are terrible, pain in the neck, blah, blah, blah. And they're not busy feeling the other. Now, what are you supposed to do with this? Because it really doesn't feel good to you. You could be so empathetic, Sue, if they came to you and said, I'm so sad, I'm so upset. Oh, that's our best parenting. We can be really good at that. It's not what they need, okay? they need you to actually put a limit on the fact that like, I see you're, you know, something's going on. I'm here to talk about it. And, you know, I know I'm annoying. The end.
1: Okay. Well, I just want to say, I feel like you just kind of took a glimpse into my, my being. And I, like, I have thought for so many years, why can't they just say this hurts me and let's talk it through. (laughs)
2: I know, because then you could (laughs) put on your mother hat. You could be really outstanding and you could say all the right things. By the way, it's why I love working with teens, because you see, they don't come in and yell at me. They come in and tell me what's wrong and I get to be the empathetic person. It's excellent.
1: (laughs) So I can't ever play that role. Like no matter how much you tell me. that's
2: That's not totally true, actually. But the calmer you stay and they, when you you know they tell you they hate you and you're the world's worst and how come this how come that you can say you know they don't love the therapeutic lines okay actually they hate those lines more so if you say you know i see that you're really upset about something else they're not don't don't do that they hate that you you can just say guess you're mad at me i'll try to understand but giving therapeutic lines enrages them. Okay. Yes, I have personal
1: evidence of that. (laughs) So when you say like something very terse and I see you're mad at me, Mm -hmm. I'm hurt too much sometimes. Like, and we see this all the time in parents talking on our Facebook group, working hard to raise teens, the pain is so palpable that what you're suggesting means I have to not really respond to my own internal pain
2: okay so two other two other thoughts well you know that i probably have three (laughs) one thought is to just simply say i need a break and go someplace else okay and go to the bathroom you know bathrooms are great places go outside for a walk but get away from them okay but the second thing is who in their right mind could do this 100 percent of the time i mean i don't know anybody that could and that's not a reasonable goal okay it's if you can do it many times all right I mean, if you're an 80 percenter, you're outstanding. You're really getting you're You're phenomenal because they're looking for a fight, okay? And when somebody's looking for a fight and keeps baiting you, it's almost impossible at some time not to react. So now the third point, because you knew there'd be one. (laughs) Um, You know, if you react and you react, shall we say – I call it the non-videotaped moments, the ones that we would never want anybody to see that we did. What's really crucial is to get back to them when you're a little calmer and say, yes, I was upset, but I didn't handle it well, and I apologize for how I handled it. Your apology as a parent is extraordinarily meaningful, but it's not realistic to handle it perfectly.
1: Oh, I love that. I love like setting perfection at 80%. Like if you can do 80%, call yourself a winner. That's amazing. Absolutely. Here's what I want to know. Vacations. So there's the Facebook picture of everyone else's family on vacation. And then there's many of our own personal experiences of going on a family vacation. You mean, excuse me,
2: you mean a trip? It's not <laughs> a vacation. You mean <laughs> okay, a trip. Yeah, Keep let's going. call it
1: what it is, a trip. Are there families going and having perfect vacations, trips? And does that even matter? Like, how do we navigate the expectations that everybody has? You know, I always kind of planned a trip feeling like if the first half hour had something magical that we could like all relax, but it didn't always work out
2: no matter what I planned, you know? Okay. So nobody's, I don't know if we want to say nobody, but most people are not putting out on Facebook, you know, I rented a house and... I did all the cooking, they wouldn't eat it, they weren't speaking to each other, you know, they huffed out of the house. I didn't even know where they were for a half hour. I mean, most people aren't putting that out, okay? But then two days later, they go on a great family hike and they're all together and it looks really good and they take the picture and they put it out there, okay? So you have to remember, you've seen a glimpse. It's not the total, the total package. Some of it's about having realistic expectations. I mean, you put all those kids together and it's not that fantasy dream that it's just fabulous and it's wonderful and it's terrific and, you know, it's all it's all good. I took my granddaughter to, for, for her bat mitzvah to Europe and I recently said to her, so what do you remember? We, we were in Paris and London. Okay, we saw lots of stuff. Do you know what she remembers the most? It's when we were lost. And I think I was, I don't think, I was really anxious. I didn't know where we were. This is what she remembers. Okay, like really? What about the Eiffel Tower? What about making croissants? So, you know, they also distort it. Okay, so I guess we have to go with realistic expectations,
1: but it does take away a little bit of that childhood joy of like looking forward to
2: a perfect vacation.
1: You know, you just have to get rid of that, I guess. I don't know, is that what you're saying? Okay,
2: well, I think we have to define what perfect is, okay? And I think the word perfect is where we all get in trouble, okay? Perfect means you don't, you say and do absolutely everything the way you think it should be done um that doesn't really happen in anything okay you can have a lovely meal that you've prepared and it and it's great but you know there's I don't know you know tiny thing happens I don't know you spill the olive oil or something so I think it's redefining what is a wonderful I get rid of the word perfect what's going to be an enjoyable time what's going to make everybody have a time where where we're all happy most of the time okay and and i guess as i'm saying that i think that one of the things that often needs to happen is we need to give some of the people space they're used to space so the requirement that you are 24/7 together often is the setup for that vacation trip whatever you're calling it going down the tubes
1: yeah okay so we're going to go with 80% for most things in life if we do the parenting thing, that's great. Okay. So um, I want to give a few examples of experiences that parents have where you know you've kind of irked them to death and and it's like, how do you retreat from that? So for example, when you ask that one too many question. Which is probably
2: almost daily. And, or maybe even be one question, right? Yes. <laughs> And you've asked one too many questions and it's it's best if you own it and you go, I guess that was one too many questions. OK, I'm done. Just own it. OK, um, because you really want to know. Now, I can tell you that one of the things that I really encourage teens to do is I say, why do you wait for the questions? They irritate you. Why don't you just tell them and you take charge of it? OK, and you can throw that out as an idea. But, you know, it, it's different, of course, when as a neutral party. I throw that out. Yeah, but also like the whole thing is that they don't want to tell you
1: they don't want they don't want to satisfy you at the moment. Like you feel like
2: you're they don't. pulling teeth. They don't. And the more that you pull, the more that they're not going to give. OK, I think the thing we have to remember is not Talking and not asking questions is the hardest and often the best action plan. It is an action plan when we think about it.
1: So what do you replace questions? Like for me, the conversation is started by me because the other party is probably not as interested in the conversation as I am. So
2: silence is so... Interested as much? They might not be interested at all. (laughs) I mean, just saying. (laughs) True,
1: totally true. But like sitting in silence doesn't feel bonding. Okay, couple of things. One,
2: they love to give their opinion, okay? But you have to only talk about wanting their opinion if you are going to do what they say. So for example, if I laid out a couple of pair of earrings that I really could care less which one I wore, I can say, which one do you think I should wear? I don't really care anyway, okay? But I'm gonna do what they suggested. It makes them feel that they're important. Two, it's talking about something about yourself, some things that you did, and they're only interested this much, (laughs) okay? It can't all be one-sided. I want to know how you're doing in school. I want to know who you're with. I want to know your your plans for the weekend. How are you making up the schoolwork that you haven't done? Blah, 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 blah. Talk about yourself. And they actually want to hear a little bit of that. And when they don't, they leave. Okay, so what people couldn't see, which I think is
1: probably the the biggest takeaway, is that when you say talk about yourself, you make this these two fingers go together very closely, meaning... A very little bit, right? (laughs) Right.
2: A very little bit. A very little bit.
1: Okay. So I have two other things that infuriate at least my kids, but I do see on the Facebook page that it is other people's kids as well. There's something about if I ask them to repeat the question because I couldn't hear it, whether it's on the phone or in the other room there's something like so infuriating about my,
2: either my inability to hear them or my aging ears. Okay, well, right now I'm finding that this is the greatest, is an even bigger challenge because if you have a mask on, first of all, they mumble, okay? And that age mumbles a great deal. And yeah, you start to think you need hearing aids. So the most that you can say is, I was listening but I only heard two words of it. Guess it's my problem with hearing. I mean, because what they feel is that you're not listening, okay? So get rid of that, take that away from them and just say, I heard two words, I guess I'm having a problem here. And then they say, well, you know, mom, dad, you need to get hearing aids, you need to get your hearing checked, blah, 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 and you go, you know, just say, you know, you know, you might be right. When I, have an, when I go to the doctor, I'm, I'm going to raise that. I can't always hear you. And it's annoying. Okay, this
1: is a COVID story, which I know was far and wide. The Wi-Fi. So the expectation that Dan and I could fix the Wi-Fi in our house, maybe even for the world, I don't know. But like the number of fights when the, the bandwidth wasn't enough for everybody What's the response? And I'm sure everybody has an equivalent in a different way. Maybe it wasn't the Wi Fi in your house, but something else that wasn't working that you needed becomes the
2: fault of your parent. We know it's not. Okay. So let's go with what's really happening. What's really happening is they need the Wi Fi, they need it. Do you understand? It's essential. Okay. And the truth is, to some degree, it is. Okay. I mean, We've become so dependent on some of those things, and during COVID, even, even more so. So, again, go to how it feels. This is awful. I, I know. I wish I had the ability to fix it. You know, I have a call into AT&T, Spectrum, whatever it is that you need to. They're not answering. This is so frustrating. Let's think about how maybe we could do this out of the box. Um, You know, we're in a pod, if it was during COVID, with Aunt Mary, whatever. How about if you go over there? Her Wi-Fi is working. I know it's not perfect. It's it's awful. Blah, blah, blah. Go to the feeling. All right. So that seems to be consistent. It's like, and it is frustrating. I mean, you know, how would you feel right now if, while we were supposed to do this, your Wi-Fi wasn't working and we couldn't do this? I, I would be... Well, we really don't want to say on this how my children would refer to me, but less than positively, because
1: <laughs> I'd be upset. Oh, come on. You can say it. Say it. How? What would they
2: say? They would well, think I was a lunatic, <laughs> okay, because I'd be calling assuming it was something I was doing, okay? You know, the day that Zoom didn't work, and, of course, all my appointments were Zoom, I didn't know it was an international problem with Zoom at 6 <laughs> o'clock in the morning. Crazed! How was I going to talk to these people? So that's how they feel. Okay, but that's no. But you assumed it
1: was your fault, and our kids assume it's our fault also. So we get we get blamed twice by ourselves
2: and by our kids. And we just need to say, you know, if we knew how to solve it, we would. Okay. Yeah that doesn't that doesn't that's not so satisfying always. But yeah, I I mean I think it's the, not satisfying because all they care about is that it gets fixed. Okay. And so then it's trying to think through what's the plan? Okay. Is are there other alternatives? Because they they are they're not such rational beings always. So during the period where they are their irrationality is escalating. They are totally dependent on us as adults to figure out another solution. And that's the other part they're saying. It doesn't work. What are you going to do about it? Okay, give me a plan. Make this work for me. That is the truth. Okay, so for some people, this is amplified to a
1: degree that they, it's not like I'm giving you these isolated examples. They're really living in a house that is, they feel kind of terrorized by their teenager. So is there a different advice for those people who are walking around like terrified? On eggshells? Yeah, on eggshells and really just so anxious.
2: Okay, well, there's two different reasons that you walk around like that. One of them really suggests that we need to help you to get some help for that teen and see what's reasonable. You know, if you're worried that the teen is going to be up on the roof and threaten to jump down, etc., etc., or harm themselves if you say or do the wrong thing, that's when you really need to get, get some help for both the teen and for yourself. And if you're feeling you can't handle this Start with having some good friends that you feel you can share it about with this with. There's almost, because you can never say never, almost all parents have some moments that are, you know, really hard. And finding the right person or friend that you can share it with is really important.
1: And if you don't have that, then you might have to reach out for a therapist is what you're saying? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there is a point in time where your reaction is not the problem and it's something that you that you have to come up with some real strategies for. Right. So we talk about all the ta- all all of the time we are talking about the things that parents have to do to raise healthy adults. And that involves having a partner on the other side of that story that wants to hear those lessons. And in this whole I hate you story, It makes it really complicated to know that before your child leaves, you should have great conversations about healthy relationships and drugs and alcohol and delay, 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 and all of these things that we know are important, but yet the other side of the the conversation is not interested.
2: So instead what you're describing is, I'm going to give lecture number one, two, seven, nine, and 34, and that's how they hear it. They hear it as a bunch of lectures, okay? And they aren't listening. They aren't hearing it. And there's a catch to what you said, okay? Which is before they leave. Eh, You know what, they're your kids forever. And you will have time when the time is right for them to hear some of these things. I think we all wanna protect them, Sue. We wanna make sure they don't do any of those things that will cause harm. Uh, they might not be wanting to hear the lecture and they might need need to be those that are experiential and and have to experience some of it in order to get to the other side.
1: Is there any way, like, can you give some tools for how it's not a lecture, but it's a a long-term kind of,
2: I don't know, drop and run? So, for example, on the subject of safe sex and the subject of consumption of illegal substances. I really find that, 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 that the teens really prefer stories, okay? They, ha- they cannot connect to, to any more facts. They need a story and the story needs to be out. And the second part is they need to know that if they get themselves in a mess, every parent wants their child alive. I tell all the kids that I see, Sue, don't worry about it. I don't have to have known the parents. If they if they look like they need to go to the hospital because they drunk too much, get them to the hospital, I'll deal with those parents. I promise you. They want them alive, okay? And the second thing that they need to know is that you're there to help them solve the problem. That life is filled with problems, and you know that. And you love them unconditionally. It doesn't mean you're giving them, um, like, go out and do all these horrible things, but you'll be there to help them to solve the problem. So they can call you if they're in a crisis and the, and you'll That's be there for them. That's what they need to know, that they can call you. And I, I guess the other thing, Sue, is I always think it's a good idea if you want to throw out some other people that they can call to. Okay, you know. Sometimes it's an aunt, sometimes it's a grandparent, sometimes it's a neighbor. Who, el- who else can you call if you need some help?
1: Oh, that is a good idea. I don't think that one's ever come up in our 14 years. That's a great one. You might not be the one they feel comfortable calling, but you want them to have right. an adult they can call. Yeah, I love that. That's great. This sentiment rests out there. We, hear, we, we see it in comments on our both our Facebook page and in our group. I'm the parent. This idea that, well, the thing that really gets said is be the parent when it's criticism about how someone was handling something. But there's this kind of like, I think it was my parents' generation that said, you'll do this because I'm the parent.
2: How come that doesn't work today? It doesn't work. And all it does is serve to make them want to go the other other way to say, because I'm the parent. The better plan is to really say what you really mean, which is you know, this is a non-negotiable rule in our family. And this is the expectation. Well, I don't want to do it. And, you know, there are some expectations that there are some privileges that are therefore not forthcoming. For example? For example, every family has to have their own set of expectations. Okay. But in some families, it is that you will come to the holiday dinner, and by the way, without your fabulous friend, your cell phone. And if you don't, I don't know, there's no cell phone for a period of time. The expectation in many households is that you turn in your homework. And if you haven't turned in your homework, something, you know, again, technology seems to be the greatest source of a way to provide some limitation on what happens. You know, it used to be that people could ground their kids, but during COVID that kind of went the way of the world. So, you know, what are being grounded from? (laughs) Your room? Okay.
1: I was never a fan of grounding like that. We just, we didn't do that. But does, do you feel like the consequence should be, first of all, predetermined when you say this is our family rule and here's what happens if you don't do it? And then this I have a second question. I'm doing my fingers too. So and the second question is should the consequence be related to the the expectation? So for example, if you bring your phone when you're not supposed to, we take the phone away, but not every time you do something wrong, we take your
2: phone. Okay, ideally it's related to what to what happened. I'm really fine not with kids not knowing what happens and I think that sometimes we're better off to say to to our teens. You know what you didn't follow what I asked. I need time to think it through because otherwise you're going to take away life until they're in the home because you're so mad, okay? And that's not going to going to work. There's another way that I have found that sometimes is, is helpful, which is to tell them there needs to be some family community service. You know, that sometimes is, is, is helpful also. And, yeah, it's better. You know, you brought your phone, so now you don't have it for a while. a while. Could we talk about the one thing though that parents always bring up that I think they need that I understand it as a parent, but it's not worth it. I would like to say that almost 100% of the time I have failed on the issue of I want my child to have a clean room, okay? The problem is you don't really care every single second, okay? and. Setting up either some pattern that once a week, twice a month, they clean it before life proceeds is probably a better plan. But spending lots of energy on the clean room means you have a really wonderful kid who must be doing great, who's, you know, doing well in school, doing all their homework, you know, getting there on time, et cetera, et cetera. So overlook the messy room. Yeah, close the door. Okay. This one I think
1: is really funny. We just talked about it on a Facebook Live our kids hear us, they hear negative as yelling. So if you, in a very calm voice say,
2: please stop doing that, the response can be, stop yelling at me. So yelling means that they heard it magnified in their head. Okay? Because they didn't like what they were hearing and they do that all the time. And you know what? It's a perfect example to just simply say, I'm sorry if it came out that way, just meant to make the point. What's the point of getting into an argument about whether you argued or not and said it in an argumentative yelling tone? You know you didn't, but it's not how they heard it. Oh God, there's so much responsibility on
1: us to be grownups. It's really horrible. Okay, That's can you why give you us- can't
2: be perfect at it, Sue.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Suzanne, give us your last parting words for parents of teenagers
2: to make it a little easier for us to be less hard on yourself, which is really what we've been saying this entire time, Sue, that you need to cut yourself some slack. And you know what? You're modeling being a human being, okay? And human beings aren't perfect. And that's what you're modeling. And that's really pretty important. And to know that, you know, you didn't like how you did it, you apologize and say you're working on it just like you hoped they would. Suzanne Schnapps,
1: it is always such a treat to have you. Thank you so much, I hope you'll come back again.
2: I would be glad to.
0: Thanks for joining us for the Your Teen Podcast. If you have any topics that you want us to talk about, let us know on our Facebook page or email editor at yourteenmag.com. If you're someone who reads an article,
1: and thinks of that one friend who has to read it too, think of our podcast the same way. Please share with that friend who's going to say, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't know about Your Team with Sue and Steph. And do us a favor and review and rate the show
0: on the podcast platform of your choice. You can find more from us at yourteenmag.com, at evergreenpodcast.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Your team with
1: Sue and Steph is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Special thanks to executive producer Michael D'Aloya, plus producer Hannah Leach and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. We'll see you next
0: time.